We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The second half of the Charger season is in full swing with plenty of high-profile matchups against teams in the division like the Raiders and the Broncos and the Chiefs, plus a lot of teams that are going to be coming to L.A., with a vengeance like the Patriots and the Steelers. Even if you're an away fan, you still want to see Justin Herbert and Mike Williams and all the guys come to your city. Maybe if you live in Philadelphia or if you live in Ohio, or even if you're deep in enemy territory, perhaps at mile high. The Chargers will be coming to all of those places and more in the second half of the season, and this could end up being a historic Super Bowl run for this team. So, you don't want to miss a single second of it if you get a chance to go to one of these games. That's where TickPick comes in. They want to send you to all of these games. And the best part about TickPick is that they're very simple to use and they don't want to give you those high-end fees that other ticketing sites will give you. Plus, some fees that come out of nowhere, frankly. So, on top of that, they also want to give you $10 off your first ticketing purchase how are you going to do that? Well, you're going to go to TickPick.com slash Charged. That's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K dot com slash Charged to get $10 off of your first ticketing purchase. As fun as highlights are to watch on Twitter, there's nothing that beats the real experience. You want to say that you were there in person when Justin Herbert threw that ball to Mike Williams that ended the game on a game-winning touchdown, or Derwin James getting a game-ending pick six. You want to be there for all of it because this team, this season, is special. So again, go to TickPick.com slash Charged, T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K dot com slash Charged for $10 off of your first ticketing purchase, Bolt Up. Hello, everyone. Welcome into the Get the Discharge podcast. My name is Steven. I am your host. Happy to be here during Monday Night Football for the recap of this uh, Chargers Week 8 loss. I'm going to dive into all of it with my guys, Tyler and Alex. Alex, you had a fun day, man. How are you doing today? Yeah, I'm doing good. Um, got some clout by interviewing Peter Schrager, so we're this is a legitimate thing now. I don't know, but uh, that was fun. And so, uh, yeah, no, everything was cool. 
Uh, I beat Tyler on the picks this week, so that was my one refuge. Uh, thank you to Mike White and the New York Jets for coming oh, up clutch. Jeez. <laughs> All time bad beat. Uh, but yeah, no, everything was pretty fun, except the loss. Yeah. That was that sucked. <laughs> <laughs> that first uh, comment of the day is uh, is quite a doozy. Um, yeah, that was uh, definitely fun. You did a great job with the interview with uh, Peter Schrager, who was very generous with his time. Uh, had some good points that I think we should uh, dive into as well. Um, but we'll get to that point. So Tyler is here as always. Uh, if you're listening to this, his YouTube name for today is Hell Mary Full of Grace. Uh, so Tyler, why don't you explain that for a little bit? And then how are you doing, man? Uh, long story short, it's a very nice Braden Fajoko clap back at someone who I believe it was Warren Sharp, who was trying to, it seemed like he was holding on to something all year to try to diss Staley. And he was completely out of line and completely incorrect. And Braden Fajoko, who never says anything, decided to uh, chip in. So check out my Twitter, check out his Twitter, and you'll find out what it was. Um, it made me laugh quite a bit, I'll say that. Yeah. Warren Sharp's bad. mustache looks fucking stupid. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing I have to say. It does. You it's got him, even... Alex. Yeah. It's funny, like, I, I thought that people really like Sharp. Uh, and Warren, if you ever want to come on the show, man, like, you're welcome to. Um, <laughs> but I'm learning that not a lot of people like him. Uh, and, you know, so it's been uh, an interesting 24 hours on that front. Um, but yes, his mustache is awful. Um, you know, his, it's too small and you know, it's, it's, it's one of the worst mustaches that I've ever seen. So, uh, please come Warren, on the show. like, yeah, please come <laughs> on the show. But when you do like grow a little bit more of like a goatee, at least like the, the mustache is just not doing it for you. Yeah, at least you like the LA face, Chargers like, hit Alex series all or nothing. <laughs> yeah yeah generally i'm i'm anti-mustache but obviously there are a few people in you know history you know like burt reynolds had a great mustache uh tom Selleck has a great mustache so it, it takes a special man to really have a good mustache and warren sharp is not one of them yeah i can say that sources either. on who likes warren sharp that's how connected <laughs> Oh, well, if uh, you don't like my beard, you can get the hell off the show, man. Um, so this is going to be a fun episode. I, I can't wait to see what you your last name is Shot Sack. I'm pretty sure that's the character <laughs> from 8 Mile. I know. Uh, honestly. Anyway, so really interested to see how you guys uh, react to this one. I think obviously, um, you know, there are lots of different takeaways to talk about this Chargers and Patriots loss. Um, and really what it does for this team going forward. So we're going to dive right into this uh, recap episode. So thank you guys so much for tuning in. Hopefully, uh, you know, we can have a, a good constructive discussion about this. Uh, Tyler, we'll start with you, man. Um, what's kind of your biggest takeaway from uh, the Chargers loss to the Patriots? It's unfortunately still that first down nope, offense. That, and that was blocked. Sorry. Nice. We're blocking someone already. Very good. Um, that was my storyline heading into the game. What is this explosive offense? What is this aggressive offense? And we just didn't get to see that. Now, I do understand that the right side of the line wasn't working, obviously, and that they were playing the Patriots, which is not an easy team to play. So you play the Ravens, you play the Patriots. It's very difficult. So I expect your first down offense or any down offense to not be that great. But my issue is that nothing really seemed to change after two weeks through a bye week. Nothing mm -hmm. seemed to change. There was one deep pass that was incomplete. 
There's one bootleg play action pass that was good for 11 yards. Um, I will say the one good thing that Lombardi did do on first down, I don't know about the rest of the downs, uh, but based on what I've been charting, they did run more um, outside than they usually do on first down, which is good. Um, they're typically 24th in EPA per play on in the run game. Yesterday they were um, 13th for the week. Again, that's only one week. And part of that was because Eckler ripped off that 28-yard run. But Lombardi's commitment to running outside more than inside for the first time all year seemed to work. They had the past four games, they'd run outside just eight times. Yesterday, they did it six times on first down, which basically matches their last four games. Now, it only went for 3.8 yards per carry, but that is a two, more than two-fold increase over their last two games of the year. And uh, other than games, they ran it uh, only once out to the outside. So I do like that about Lombardi. That was a change that I will say that he did make, and it worked, which is good. But everything else on the passing first down stuff wasn't working, and it wasn't changed. Now, there are many reasons it didn't work. Herbert, Lombardi, the line, the running backs, the drops, plenty of reasons. And I don't, I'm not going to sit here and say it's all Lombardi's fault. A lot of people want to place all the blame on Lombardi. That's a little much. That is definitely a little much. It's not all on Lombardi. But it was kind of on Lombardi because nothing changed. And then Herbert, unfortunately, on first down on the year with um, a minimum of 10 first down attempts, he's dead last in first down EPA, Yeah, uh, unfortunately, which is below Goff, Roethlisberger. I mean, you don't want to be below those guys in anything other than interceptions. Or even close to those guys. Or even close. <laughs> but you see all the clusters of any chart. He's near those guys. They're clustered with like the Giants or the Falcons on their their e passing EPA on first down or on early downs. It's not great. So nothing looked like it changed to me, at least in terms of what Lombardi was asking them to do. And nothing got any better except for more runs to the outside, which was what they were already kind of good at already during the year. They just did it more times this game. So that was good. But otherwise, not a lot changed. And yes, they are playing the Patriots. So it does make it difficult. But nothing got better and nothing changed. And that's a little concerning heading over into the rest of the season. Yeah, I think like there are legitimate criticisms for Joe Lombardi in this game, right? Like I, I think, you know, your point about the run game is 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 excellent. Like he did, you know, uh adjust there. But one of the things that he and Staley both said this week that they wanted to do more in the quarterback movement game. And I, you know, I could be wrong. I feel like they probably ran like two or three bootlegs and the Patriots blew it up, but there are other ways to move the pocket with mm -hmm. Joe Lombardi than just play action bootleg wide. And so sure. to me, like that's a valid criticism. I think, you know, the conservative nature in the second half is a valid criticism. And I know that everybody is, you know, thinking that I'm just like Joe Lombardi's biggest fan right now. Like he has not been very good, but people but calling for his head right now, are, that's just not the solution that needs to be had either. Like he needs to be better, but this is not like a fireable offense. This is not, mm. you know, a stretch of games where we see an offensive coordinator call a quarterback sneak while his offensive line pass sets, or you call <laughs> a run against the Falcons with no timeouts and then you can't get a field goal. So there are definitely criticisms mm. that I have of Joe Lombardi right now. I just know how hard it is to really establish this kind of system in seven games. Like I'm willing to be a little bit more patient with Joe Lombardi because I believe in this system and I believe in Herbert's ability to me mesh in this system, but mm -hmm. it's a work in progress. It has not been good enough. And, you know, 
coming out of a bye week, you expect better. Like that to me is the biggest criticism of Joe yes. Lombardi in this mm-hmm. night in this game is that yeah. you had two weeks to prepare for this defense, and you it was basically it felt like the exact same game plan of the Baltimore Ravens, where mm-hmm. you know we're not gonna you know we're not gonna push the stretch uh, stretch the field vertically when we are we're gonna use Keenan Allen or Josh Palmer, not Mike Williams or Jalen Guyton. We're not going to target Mike Williams at all. <laughs> and it, it it just it was a poor poorly planned and poorly executed game and so Joe mm-hmm. Lombardi is far from blameless but like you said there were so many other factors in this game that contributed to the lack of offense so Herbert did not have a good day the drops are awful that's a massive issue and the mm-hmm. offensive line had a ton of breakdowns in protection because Bill Belichick, shocker, identified a weakness, and boy, did he attack that weakness. Yeah, um, my main takeaway from the game is that the offense didn't just look bad. They look uh, just underprepared, like in every facet of the game. It was the Baltimore game all over again. Frankly, I thought it was honestly as ugly to watch as the Patriots game from last year. Um, it was a mess on all fronts. Like you talk about the offense timing wise, they can't do anything regarding timing, like (laughs) anything Mm. that requires players to basically stand in the space. They're supposed to Jalen Guyton, Donald Parham. Um, you know, if they're just supposed to do that, they can't like, that's a communication problem. And like Jared cook had no idea. Justin Herbert was going to go to him. Like stuff like that just can't happen. Like, I don't know how that's week seven and this stuff is happening. Um, like I, I get it, but I know like the communication, it's not like cook is a rookie either. Like cook has been in the league for 13 years. Yeah. The the communication is just off between like the whole offense right now. And that's like one of the things that you can say that's not so much on Lombardi as much as it is between the players. Right. And we saw plenty of illegal shifts in the first four weeks of the season. And I feel like we're still kind of in that state, which is just like, well, the offense looks disorganized and we've been saying that for seven weeks. Um, so that I think you could talk about the lack of aggression from Joe Lombardi, the poor play from Justin Herbert. These last two weeks has just been kind of brutal to watch. Like, um, he's just missing guys like point blank. And when he does hit guys in the hands, they drop them. And so now they have, you know, five guys or whatever who are all over 10% drops. Like that's just what I would guess from watching that game. When you talk about Mike Williams, uh, Jared Cook, Keenan Allen, Austin Eckler, like, you know, he drops a pass that results in an Adrian Phillips interception yesterday. Not pretty to watch at all. So, uh, you know, I, I, I don't. And that's kind of what my main takeaway from this offense was, is just like as much as we want to talk about Deshaun Jackson, as much as we want to talk about Brandon Cooks, those guys don't fix a single thing that this offense is struggling with right now. Like we could talk about the speed game. We could talk about all that. Um, it, it's just. I, I don't think they can really maximize their offense with those guys until they fix the communication problems, until they fix the timing problems. Uh, Cause it, it just all looks off right now. And maybe they figure it out against the Eagles. Maybe they figure it out uh, in these next couple games, but you know, it's just concerning because even when they were winning, this was still some of the stuff we were seeing. It's just that in these last few losses against better coach teams, uh, and better yeah. discipline teams, those problems have been identified, right? You, like you were talking about Bill Belichick identifying the weakness of Storm Norton, right? So um, that's my main takeaway from this game is it pretty much looked exactly like the Baltimore game. 
And uh, that's really disappointing for a team that had two weeks to prepare for this game. That was one of the most important games of the season, especially when you talk about potentially playoff seating down the line. Um, so the fact that they lost this game is uh, a real bummer, especially because I don't really feel like the Patriots beat them. Like Keenan Allen said it himself, yeah. like they beat themselves like pretty badly in a lot of respects. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one positive is that the defense did okay. You know, I, I think in the second half, uh, particularly the run defense improved, but other than that, like this was a game that the Chargers should have won and the drops, Justin Herbert, Joe Lombardi, everyone on the offense just not communicating properly. The offensive line being a wreck with Storm Norton and Michael Schofield allowing 10-plus pressures combined. Uh, It was just a mess, and I don't know how we can expect this to get better until they actually start addressing some of these issues. Yeah, to me, like, the execution has been a problem, right? And, you know, going back to the illegal shifts and things like that, and my, my biggest takeaway is that the Chargers veteran players, their best players, they need to play better. Like, that's a, really as simple as it, it gets for me at the core basis of things. The Chargers, you know, depth mm. is not great. But Mike Williams and Keenan Allen and Jared Cook and Justin Herbert and their veteran players need to play better. And right now you have Keenan Allen, who's tied for second in the league in drops. Mike Williams is tied for fourth. Jared Cook is tied for second among tight ends in drops. Austin Eckler is banged up. He has a drop that leads to an interception. You know, the miscommunication issues that Alex is talking about have been a problem all year long. And it doesn't make any sense to me. Like we heard all throughout training camp, all throughout the preseason, like, oh, like the communication has been great. And, you know, Justin Herbert has a great relationship with Jared Cook and like it's working and it just has not come to fruition. And, Listen, like, you know, Brandon Staley decided to not play any of his starters pretty much in the preseason. And I think that has had a negative effect on things in, in terms of mm-hmm. communication and on-field results. So to me, like, it's as simple as it gets. Keenan Allen has to be better. Jared Cook has to be better. Mike Williams has to be better. Justin Herbert has to be better. The drops thing is an issue for the receivers. It's an issue for Justin Herbert, too. Like, I don't know what his deal is the last couple of weeks. And the perhaps the biggest concern to me is that Brandon Staley and Keenan Allen both said that they expected the Patriots to play more yeah. zone. They expected mm-hmm. the Patriots to play more cover too. And then what does Justin Herbert say? Oh, we, we weren't expecting that. We were prepared for man coverage. So I, I understand Justin Herbert is the, is a great player. I think he's a top tier quarterback yeah. in this league. And I know that people think that I'm too critical of him still to this day, which I don't think any makes sense to me, but he needs to be better. He has not been good enough the last two weeks for them to win and they need him to, they don't have the depth and the veteran coaching and all this stuff that can overcompensate for bad Justin Herbert games. If he plays like this more then they're going to struggle to win games. That's just the bottom line for me. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And in the sort of the same vein, not necessarily like veterans in terms of like a Jared Cook, Keenan Allen type, but just guys need to step up around, I don't know, Joey Bosa. I don't know if we want to get into him at, at some point, but yeah, you know, first off, for him to go out and say that we were going to do some things and I don't know why we just didn't get into it. I'm paraphrasing what he said today in his press conference. Yeah. That he expected to be playing, you know, be rushing the guard or over the guard or whatever. And then they never got into that. And he's like, Well, I don't know why we didn't get into that. That's concerning. That's like Gus Bradley, Shane Steichen, Anthony Lynn era 
comments right there where it's like well we had a game plan but we didn't get into it or right. uh, i don't know why that didn't happen that's a uh, a little concerning but someone needs to step up around joey bosa christian covington has zero pressures and 61 pass rush snaps um Fackrell has i believe won the last three games uh rumpf has zero it's only been like eight snaps but like he's not contributing not necessarily all his fault like people need to step up around joey bosa he had 24 of the ones that i charted 24 pass rush snaps and he got singled up just nine times and I, I charted him honestly with three and a half pressures. I, I know it's it's my chart. I can give him half pressures if I want to. And <laughs> two and a half of those pressures came when he was singled up. But otherwise, you know, uh-huh. nine times he was singled. Otherwise, it was I think there was three or four triple teams, and the rest were double teams, and no one was really getting home around him. It was really sad. There was a play where Bosa beat a triple team to get a pressure <laughs> because he's that good. But man, yeah. he can't do it by himself. Someone needs to step up. For Fackrell and Covington to have all these snaps and have, I think, one pressure in the last like two or three weeks, that's unacceptable. That's so unacceptable. What a they started off pretty hot, looks pretty good preseason to start the year as well. Have just tanked the last few games. And you'd think with Justin Jones back, a little bit more of a rotation, but Justin Jones led the team in three pressures, and that was it. Someone else needs to step up because Joey Pesic, Joey Bosa can't do it by himself. It's the first time that I've charted watching him be double teamed or triple teamed and it was awful to watch him and honestly if i'm being completely honest i know he's not a rah-rah guy i know joy bosa isn't a rah-rah guy but think of like that buffalo game where he was just fiery and passionate and everything he honestly doesn't i'm not saying he doesn't he doesn't want to be there but he almost looks kind of like defeated physically i don't know i don't want to put the words and to make it seem like I'm, i'm shitting on joey bosa because it's not about him. It just it's almost looks like he's frustrated. He's frustrated. He he's frustrated. frustrated. He looks frustrated that he's not it's not working, basically. His pass rush productivity is way down. His win rate, I think, is okay, but he's just not getting there because he's being double and triple teamed, you know, 62% of the time. That's ridiculous. You have two you should have enough good pass rushers on this team to not make it 62% of the time being double or triple teamed. Yet here we are, it's not working for him. Hey, I don't know. Someone needs to step up around him because it's really frustrating yeah. to watch and it needs to be better. So I know, uh, sorry, Alex, just really quickly. I know in the off season, we talked quite a bit about Leonard Floyd, uh, who mm-hmm. obviously the Rams just traded for Vaughn Miller. And oh. uh, <laughs> have either of you looked at Leonard Floyd's uh, productivity from this season by chance? No. I, I know his win rates like 20s or 30s, but I don't know about his productivity uh so he has 32 total pressures eight sacks and 16 run stops oh my (laughs) so uh, the uh (laughs) the Rams are adding Vaughn Miller to that front and Leonard Floyd might legitimately be the least productive player on that team Sebastian Joseph Day leads the league in run stops he Mm -hmm. is one of the best defensive tackles against the run in the league Aaron Donald has 38 total pressures six sacks 17 run stats which is pretty honestly pretty pedestrian for Aaron Donald. Um, and so it, it's just wild to me. Like the roster decisions is another big takeaway. I think you could talk about in this game because the chargers like mm. depth players have not been good enough either. And so they're, they've been in a bad spot these last couple of weeks where the star players are not playing great. Like they need them to outside of a couple, which we'll get into in a few in a little bit. But the death players have not been good either. Jenna Nwosu had one really good rush that was in the first quarter. Jerry Chiller had one really good rush that was in the first quarter. And they mm-hmm. were essentially no-shows in the second half. Yep. 
Yeah, I think the biggest indictment you could say about the rest of the defensive line is that Justin Jones has been crippled for two months and he <laughs> looked better than all of them yesterday, except Bosa. Yeah. Like, that's the whole problem. I mean, you, when you talk about Jerry Tillery, Christian Covington, like, you're just not getting a lot from them. And at some point, you yeah. have to try to turn to somebody else. Uh, and it seems like they're just kind of like taking separate turns at this point of like, do you want to be the guy this game? Because, you know, at some point you need somebody to step up for Joey Bosa um, and they're just not getting it right now. Someone like Leonard Floyd, yeah, would have helped uh, instead of having like Kyler Fackerel and Uchenna and Wosu and all these like replaceable pass rushers, because I think that was based on like, OK, well, if Jerry Tillery makes the leap, then that's OK. If, you know, yeah. X player makes the leap, that's fine. But no one has taken the leap, right? Except probably no. Joey Bosa, like who's probably gotten yeah. a little bit better. Um, everyone else has been just kind of worse around him. Um, so, you know, that's kind of the biggest indictment of the non-Justin Jones defensive tackles. Also, shout out to Jerry Tillery for being a complete moron. Um, what are you doing hitting Justin Jones? And I know people are going to give me shit for this because, oh, the, oh I didn't hear the whistle. Everyone else, look at the video. Everyone else on that play stops dead in their tracks, and he goes for a late hit on Justin Jones. That should have probably given the Patriots a first and goal. They just yeah. didn't call it for some reason. I don't know why. Uh, but, like, what are you doing? Like, you know, we're going to give out studs and duds. He's the donkey of the day, in my opinion. Um, I, I'm i sorry. Like, he, he's just terrible. Um, but... Yeah, like I just struggle with what this defense is trying to do uh, for, you know, I mean, I mean, they played well, but like they're just not getting the key contributions that they need. And then, oh, well, great. Michael Davis and Asante Samuel are down. That's awesome. Uh, like, <laughs> I don't know. You know, blocked. I don't know how that's going to go. Um, but yeah, no, they just seem like their defensive line isn't all that talented. They have Joey Bosa. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's Michael Davis. And Asante Samuel, who are hurt right now, Chris Harris, as Steven has said, we saw what Chris Harris was doing in this game, and it was exactly like Steven said last week. Uh, he was pretty bad. So I don't I don't know. Like to me, they need to get guys back healthy, but their defense has played well in this game. I mean, well enough. Their offense is the one that costs them, uh, you know, in terms of like trying to keep up with the Patriots. Uh, but yeah, no, uh, I think that this is a very top heavy defense right now with Joey Bosa and Derwin James who come to play everyone else. I mean, pretty hit or miss most of the time. No, I, I think the defense did play well enough to win in this game. Like, you know, really the, the Patriots offense scored 20 points, you know, because they had the pick six. So I think the defense, you know, played well enough to win in this game. And, you know, there was a one point I was sitting with Tyler Gallagher, um, and they had like the stats across the Oculus and, and, you know, some of the numbers are like so small. Right. And the, the time of possession was like so heavily skewed towards the Patriots. It was insane. The Patriots offense had 76 plays of offense. Like that is insane. Your, your defense is being hung out to dry. Again, it was the same issues as the Baltimore game, right? Like, you know, they played better for sure. But it was short fields and it was long fields because your offense cannot get on, cannot stay on the field. So the defense was hung out to dry and I thought they played okay. Like, I'm curious to watch the film because watching it live, it felt like 
they made an adjustment and were allowing their guys to shoot gaps a little bit more often than they had been previously. You know, Justin Jones and, and Limbaugh Joseph played really, really well, in my opinion, against the run, um, you know, making plays in the backfield. And, you know, I, I thought they had key contributions from Tavon Campbell, who played well, had a couple really nice plays in coverage. But Ryan Smith had uh, at least a few nice plays in coverage as well. And Nasir Adderley's presence was felt in this one, too. He had some really nice run stops. Derwin James played amazing in this game. Uh, don't want to spoil too much there. But I, I thought the defense played well, well enough to win. You know, I thought the pass defense was great. I thought the run defense had probably their best day of the season, holding Damian Harris and company to 3.6 yards per carry. That's a, that's a solid day. It's just that the Patriots had so many chances that the defense got worn down. And when they did need a stop, they, they were gassed because they had been on the field for 65 plays at that time. So, oh my gosh, Patrick Mahomes turned the, <laughs> turned the ball over again. That's amazing. Um, so to me, like the defense is not really the issue. Like I, I, there are definitely certain players on the defense that are really pissing me off lately. <laughs> but, you know, I thought the defense as a whole played pretty well yesterday. Yeah, I thought Tavon Campbell, as many times they targeted him, how many yeah. times did he squeeze the receiver to the sideline? And just like, you know, you, you know, when you're watching those plays, like, oh, you know, Jones was so close. Or, oh, the receiver was so close. Or, oh, they only got one foot in bounds. But like, that's kind of the point. He was squeezing him the sideline yeah. really well and not letting them get the ball, which I thought was really great. Uh, I'm very interested to see or hear your reaction to watching the film about a certain other uh, corner on the team. But again, I have not watched, but I know you're not a fan of at this current time. No. Honestly, though, I don't think the defense played as well as it looked. If you take out the one run at the end of the game, which was like they had to run it once before they kneeled. And then some of the honestly, like the garbage time runs where it's like, well, I'm just running out the clock. You kind of know it's coming. You take out the Mac Jones runs. I don't think it now again, that's a lot of qualifiers. But I think in terms of like the actual game flow, I don't think it was as good. And then to be completely honest, I think with a competent quarterback, I think they would have scored a lot more. I think Mac Jones was just like they were just off sync and flat out missing more than the Chargers offense was. I think there were sure. plenty of times where I'm like, where is that ball supposed to go? You completely missed. And so I honestly think the defense got bailed out just a little bit by Mac Jones sure. as well. Uh, but they did, like I said, they played well enough to win. Like at the end of the day, the run defense, like they gave up 5.45 yards per carry coming into the game. Even if you take out some of like the BS at the end of the game plays, I'm sure it's not 5.45 yards per carry. And I believe Harris in the game prior, they was averaging two, two thirds of his yards were before contact. And yeah. so, you know, for them to be better against the run with Jones, like they said that they were going to coach something differently. So far it's worked. It's been one game. I can't say I'd, I think that'll be like, I think they'll be good next week. It's the Eagles. Like it's Gainwell and, and Scott. Like I don't feel as worried about those guys, although their line is really good. So who knows? Um, I just, I don't know if the defense played as well, but they did play well enough to win. Like you guys said. Yeah. I mean, my thing is just, yeah, like the defense played well enough, um, but you know, the offense stunk. <laughs> like you can't score 15 points average, you know, these last two weeks and expect to win games. Uh, not yeah. counting the Joshua Palmer garbage time touchdown, 11 and a half these last two weeks. And, you know, after all the preparation these last two weeks, they scored three points. I mean, really, uh, prior to that Joshua Palmer touchdown in the second half, you know. So to me, um, the one thing I think you can credit Joe Lombardi with is like coming out with a good script and being like, OK, you know, here's that yeah. first drive where Austin Eckler gets pushed into the end zone. And, you know, that was a fun time. 
Justin Jackson made, you know, a name for himself with that 70 yard <laughs> run. But aside from that, like they didn't get anything going and going the rest of the game. So to me, this one is firmly uh, on the offense. Uh, and the last two weeks really has been. I think you could say that they definitely played worse against the Ravens uh, in terms of the def- uh, defensive performance. But, you know, yeah. they did what they needed to do, especially because they were asked to be out there for 77 plays. Like, yeah. you know, so they did what they could do. Uh, and one of those, you know, uh, Patriots touchdowns for 27 points is a pick six by Justin Herbert. So at the end of the day, they really only allowed 20. Uh, so, you know, I don't, uh, think this is like the end of the world for the chargers or anything, but, uh, I mean, it's a really just disheartening performance all around, uh, especially going into what is supposed to be the easier stretch of their schedule. Um, they played a very beatable Patriots team and they were the ones that were beatable. Yeah. This is like. <clears throat> we saw this last year against the Patriots. Like the one thing that we all know that you cannot do against the Patriots, regardless of who their quarterback is now, you can't beat yourself. And when you lose the turnover turnover battle like this, and you have all the penalties and all the breakdowns in, in protection and you know, all the drops, like you're going to lose. So it, it's, it was a disheartening performance from the offense for sure. To me, you know, it came from a you know variety of reasons, right? But Daniel Popper pointed out yesterday that before the last drive of the Chargers, which ended in the touchdown to Josh Palmer, Justin Herbert was 12 for 26 for 143 mm-hmm. yards passing. And again, that is not all on Justin Herbert. Some of that is totally. the protection issues. A lot of that mm-hmm. is the protection issues. A lot of that is the drops. Some of that is the play design. But when your offense in 2021 is completing less than 50% of your passes for 143 yards, you are not going to be very successful at offense. So this offense has a lot of workshopping to do. We had hoped that that would be happening during the bye. Apparently that did not happen. So they've got to, you know, put up and, and, and shut up at this point. We we're done hearing about that. It needs to be better. All three of the players after the game said, we just need to be better. Okay. Mm-hmm. Go be better. Like what? Like you need to go, Put your words into action because this offense needs to step it up. You know, the defense is not good enough to carry them to winning these games because they just don't have the depth of talent like, you know, we had hoped. So offense has to be better going forward. And that is, you know, unfortunately the biggest takeaway that I think any of us can have today. Yeah, for all the last week ago, the week prior against the Ravens, I watched a lot of Keenan Allen and what was going on with him and why he wasn't targeted. And it was just a combination of things. I need to go back and watch why Jalen Guyton and Josh Palmer either aren't being targeted or why they're not being involved. And the same with Donald Parham. I mean, Guyton yeah. and Palmer didn't have a target until the final uh, drive of the game. And then <laughs> Palmer scores that amazing touchdown. Like, maybe you should, <laughs> you know, like throw him the ball. That was amazing. That's potentially game changing if it's the middle of the game, but he doesn't get a target. Now, is he being covered? Is he not separating? I don't know. But for Guyton and Palmer to have no targets till the final drive and Parham to have no targets the entire game that just doesn't make sense to me that doesn't make sense to me you have like look do they have to be a big part of your game plan no but how do you not have any targets to those guys until the final play or final drive of the game when it was garbage i don't know it doesn't make any sense to me i'm going to go back and see how they were taken away or how they were being used because if it's just a lombardi issue then i'm gonna have some serious questions 
I think my um, other big takeaway from this game is just, you know, going forward, this offense and whether it's fixable depends on if things actually regress to the mean, because we've been saying for a month now that the drops will go down, haven't gone down. You're saying the penalties will go down. They haven't gone down. Uh, and we've been talking about really everything this whole time. And so I, I like I don't know uh, what the future you know of this offense is in the second half of the season. But whether or not it actually gets better depends on if they actually are going to fix some of the substantial issues on it. Uh, yeah. And so like because I think a lot of times we were just writing it off as, oh, that was a bad day at the office. Oh, that was another mm-hmm. bad day at the office. <laughs> We've been saying that for seven weeks, whether they won or lost in some cases, just because uh, they were also having these problems in the games that they won, right? Um, so to me, um, I, I don't know what the adjustments for the Eagles will be, but to me, the, the thing that's really lacking is just discipline, right? I mean, uh, yeah. you know, just the post-game comments also like play into that. The fact that Herbert, uh, Staley, and Keenan are just like on completely different pages. Uh, like that's not a good thing. The fact that Bosa is no. on a different page than the other defensive linemen, like that's a lack of discipline and also a lack of accountability um, for, for a team that wants to be the accountability team. So uh, that's a concerning thing. And, you know, whether the offense actually gets better just depends on if they actually want to fix it, because from what I've seen these last two weeks, I have no idea if they actually want to fix the offense or not. Um, it seems like they're just comfortable rolling out and doing the same stuff that they've been doing uh, yeah. and hoping that the defense just breaks, right? If there is a busted coverage, great. We have a completion of Keenan Allen. If there's no busted coverages, great. We're going three and out. <laughs> like that, that's what this offense is at this point. Yeah, I was just talking to, to Brooke about the game and you know what she said is that you know last week there are legitimate excuses like that you can justify. You know, you're going to the East Coast. It was just a bad day. Ravens kind of, you know, had a better game plan. There's no excuses in this one. Like you had the bye week to prepare for this game, and this is what you come out with. So, um, of course, I would like to talk about the offensive line, and then we can talk about Alex's special teams. The the this the offensive line obviously was exposed by Bill Belichick's game plan, right? Like Storm Norton allowed eight pressures. Michael Schofield allowed, allowed three. And I don't think that Schofield is necessarily playing bad. I think he's playing exactly who we think Michael Schofield is. But the problem is that you have the two players who are the worst players on the line next to each other. And so there are a variety of things that the the the, the team and the staff and the players can do to fix these issues, I think. And it, it's going to be interesting to see if the chargers ever make a certain adjustment because i think that from a schematic standpoint you can do two different things to help out your offensive line that is max protect and just jumble everything up bring in more bodies more tight ends more blockers and hope that you have enough people to block the other thing you can do is spread the offense spread the defense out go and empty including you know you can do that in any kind of personnel setting you want whether that's with the running back and the tight end, and you just put out five wide, essentially. Or you can use Josh Palmer. Hey, weird, I know. You can use Jalen Guyton. Weird, I know. But the idea, right, with going empty is that you put your five receivers, your five eligible receivers out, and then the defense just does not have enough bodies to blitz. And then you trust your quarterback to make plays, quick passing game, deep passing game, whatever you want. We haven't seen, like, any of that. Like, I don't think I've seen them go empty 
outside of like garbage time against the Ravens and this one uh, on yesterday, it's always been the max protection. It's always been we're going to bring the tight ends in, we're going to chip with the running backs, we're going to bring the fullback in, whatever the case may be. So I said this before the buy, like I wanted that the the latter option to be happening more frequently because I think it's a smart approach to mix things up and help your offensive line out when you have such a liability at your right tackle spot. Of course, the other thing you could do is bench your right tackle. That is clearly an issue. And you guys know that I I am generally very patient when it comes to offensive linemen. I try to always paint context and, and look at the film and, and try to be, you know, as understanding as I can as the offensive lineman for the offensive lineman, but storm Norton to give up this many pressures in multiple games like it's just inexcusable. Like it's a it's a lack of talent, yes, but it's also a lack of preparation. It's a lack of you know growing in into his you know into his NFL ability. And he misses Ode Abuji like flat out. Like the the communication between him and Michael Schofield has not been great. He misses Ode Abuji. So I think you either have to adjust the game plan or you have to adjust your lineup because the offensive line right now is not great and you know some people are saying that that's affecting justin herbert i'm sure it probably is but we need to see more adjustments going forward with that unit specifically and we haven't really seen any yeah as far as the going empty goes i've only charted last four games i didn't finish this one but they only went empty on first down five times the last four games i don't know if that's something that could help them but clearly they're not doing it a lot so maybe it could so that suggestion i think could work and you're right they haven't been doing that at least on first down so that's not great. And then as far as the offensive line goes, you know, I was talking to Jason Reed at Boltbeat today who said, you know, you know, Filer was worse at right tackle than he was at left guard because of these pressure rates. But like kind of no shit. Like you're facing edge rushers and edge rushers, excuse me, tackles in 2020 gave up 300 more pressures than guards in 2020 because yeah. that's the nature of the position. So, of course, you're going to have more pressures allowed by tackles than guards. But whatever point is. I think Filer should kick out that way. And I know the concern is, oh, you don't want two rookies next to each other on the left side of the line. But, like, let's be real. Rashawn fucking Slater ain't no regular <laughs> rookie. Like, let's be real. At this point, yes, have there been some miscommunication things? Sure, we've seen that against the Browns with, with Filer, you know, another veteran. So it might happen. But it's Rashawn Slater. You can leave the dude on an island. And I'd rather kick... Filer at right tackle yeah. and at least let you know those two sides of the offensive line work and let Hymas kind of do his thing at left guard or even Senio Calamente or whatever. You know, I, I yes. just think I just think it's it's a giant problem to leave and they're going to, he said. Now I know Staley has kind of backed up Vizcaino and then cut him, but you know, I really do think that he means it when he's saying they're sticking with Schofield and, and Norton. And yeah. I just don't like I don't know how you could feel comfortable with that. Even just watching Norton in certain, like, I don't know, again, however they're being coached, I don't know. But there was that one play where, you know, a couple of the, the set could have been changed. So he would, I forget what exactly what it was. And as, as Steven, you probably know what it is, that he could have changed the way he set. So the guy couldn't knock the ball down. I don't remember if it was going low or something like that, but. Run from yesterday? Yes. There was a play uh... where Norton basically did not engage with the guy quick enough. And the guy was just kind of standing there and batted the ball down. On a quick oh. flat uh, to to um, Allen, I don't know. I don't know anything about run game or about the offensive line. I just think they have the personnel to do it. I wouldn't be yeah. afraid of putting Filer at right tackle. 
that's much better. Like, unless you're telling me that Hymas is going to allow eight pressures from the left guard position, you know, I'd rather, I'd rather have a nice solid right tackle and like four pressures a game from left guard than eight pressures from freaking right tackle. Oh, yes. yes. There's yes. no way, there's no way that it's going to get worse. Right. Yeah, I'm fine with doing anything that takes Storm Norton off the field at this point. Um, <laughs> he's a liability, like just flat out. I mean, he's allowing, what, five plus pressures a game at this point. We thought the Dallas yeah. game was maybe like this outlier, but the Dallas game is him. Like he he is that lineman um, that the teams are going to attack and he's going to get exposed like most of the time. Uh, even when uh, you're talking about a team like the Patriots who, you know, I mean, Matthew Judon is, is great, like, and he's going to attack, but... Uh, he's not what... two pressures in two sacks great, though. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, you know, so that that's sort of the problem right now is, like, he's just going to, you know, you could replace Matthew Judon with quite a few other edges, as we've seen this season, uh, and they're going to see some success, right, just because it's Storm Norton. Um, unfortunately, if that involves putting Jaimez or Calamante uh, in the middle and then yeah. you want to put uh, Filer at the right tackle, that's fine. If you want to trade for a right tackle, I'm all for that, too. Uh, yeah. Um, but, yeah, like I, I just don't think it's sustainable at this point, especially because I think at this point we know the Balaga thing is not, you know, it, it's we expect him back at some point this season, which whatever the hell that means. Um, you know, so like you can't depend on that. Like, it's not like he's going to be back in two weeks and then all the problems yeah. are solved. Plus he could get hurt again and you have to still have a backup plan for that issue, even if he does come back. Uh, so yeah, I mean, that's, that's the case with Storm Norton. I don't think that it's going to get any better. He is who he is, which is a good backup lineman. Um, but when he has to start six games of the season, this is what you're going to get. Yeah. I, I, like again, I I can go back and look at the Dallas game and be like, okay, like there's no film on Micah Parsons. Like I, I can understand it. You know, obviously I wish it would have been better, but there's no excuse in this one. There's no excuse for the Ravens game. There's no excuse for the other stuff. Like at this point, you you have to explore other options and you need to college this up. Like you need to figure out who your best five linemen are and get them out because Filer has the ability to flex out the tackle. So does Michael Schofield. So does Senor Calamente. So does Brendan Hymas. That was the clear plan in adding all of these players to the offensive line was getting players who can play multiple positions so when disaster strikes, you can flex somebody out. Disaster has stricken. Like, this is the worst-case scenario for the offensive line this year, um, barring other injuries. But, you know, your right tackle is, is a complete liability, and he's playing to somebody who's probably, you know, an average player at best. So... At this point, I would take Samuel Calamente as a starter at left guard if it moved Matt Filer over to right tackle. And we're really, it, we're, re <laughs> we're really down bad with Samuel Calamente as a starter, huh? Um, I know. But yeah, it's, it's that time of the year. No, I was just gonna say, like, if we're talking about putting two rookies next to each other, like, like Steven said, we have Schofield and Norton next to each other right now. Right. One of right. one of which wasn't on the team to start the season. Like, I mean, you know, Schofield's no rookie, but like, you know, he's not great either. So, plus, he has to help this liability on the team, unfortunately. So, you know, at this point, I'm for trying something different, whatever than whatever this is, and. For the coaching staff who just went through special teams and said, hey, we're cutting this guy now, and hey, we're cutting KJ Hill, and we're going to try different things, 
to just be like, no, we're going to continue to bang our heads against the wall when it comes to the right side of the line. Like, I don't know. It's, it's just inconsistent. Yeah, it is inconsistent. Okay, well, I got my offensive line bit out. We can we can move on. Um, it's time for Alex's uh, favorite topic of the week, which is special teams. I will say heading into this, Dustin Hopkins uh, was 100% accurate yesterday, which is fantastic God news. Bless him. Um, when he trotted out onto the field, I was not afraid for my life, which is <laughs> a fantastic upgrade. I thought he was really good yesterday. Uh, and Andre Roberts averaged 23 yards per kickoff return. So, yeah. So, you know, we were joking all the time in our section. Like, it was like, yes, average special teams. We're so excited for average special teams. And then Alohio Gilman almost got Tylon killed like three times. So, Alex, the floor is yours, man. Uh, special teams rant is it is time for us to hear what you have to say about Darius Swinton and company. Go ahead. Yeah, Darius Swinton stinks and he should be fired. Um, anyway. <laughs> Dustin Hopkins. So I'll, I'll give credit to Dustin Hopkins and uh, yeah. and uh, Andre Roberts first. Dustin Hopkins, I mean, he kicked a 48-yard field goal. And I was curious to look up when the last time the Chargers kicked a 48-yard field goal was and made it. It was November 1st, 2020. One year ago, Michael Badgley hit a 52-yarder against Denver. Um, so Against I mean, Denver? That, that means like the last eight games they didn't have any. And then the yeah, first six. They did not have a single 48. Was plus it in Denver too? The easiest place to kick? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> of course. <laughs> um, yeah. So, I mean, it's been a year oh since gosh. they knocked in a 48-yard field goal. So, we're going a step in the right direction there. So, Dustin Hopkins, uh, great game for not missing an extra point. That Not missing a kick. That was one of my bold predictions. So, uh, you, you really nailed it this time. Uh, Andre Roberts, good. You know, 23 and a half yards uh, per return. Like, that's exactly what this team needs. Um, I think that there were, you know, some instances where, like, he did take a punt at the five that he probably could have let bounce into the end zone. Um, but other than that, like, had an okay game. Um, so those are the good things. Coverage and blocking, though. <laughs> you know, we were talking on the Saturday Q&A, and Steven was like, you know, they're actually STDVOA. They're 16th in uh, blocking and coverage. I'm like, no, they're not. <laughs> and, like, and the first play is Ty Long getting blown up by bad blocking. And not only does Ty Long get blown up, <laughs> they have a penalty which offsets him getting blown up. And yeah. I'm just like, what are we doing? And also... Why are we kicking the gunner Olszewski? <laughs> like he's looking at the you know the whole special teams like he's Miami LeBron James at this point. Like where he's <laughs> just gonna come down the field and like wreck somebody. Like it's barbecue chicken to him. Like I don't know what they were doing there, and it almost got New England into starting field position. I mean, good starting field position like every time. It did. Like, and yeah, it did get them into starting yeah. good field position. Yeah, so it's just like what are we doing there? Um, so yeah, no, <laughs> like special teams, I, like the STDVOA, like I was talking about, like because you have Hopkins, because you have Andre Roberts, that will go up now, like just as a basis of having those guys, but yeah. the blocking issues and the coverage issues, uh, like just seem unfixable at this point. Like, I, I don't know why they're just like so slow on special teams. Like one of the, uh, I think it was the, 
Patriots that were punting. And it just seemed like everyone was so slow to get back into blocking. Like the Patriots were already down the field and it just, yeah, like that, that's how fast, like their special teams is. And the Patriots are really good special teams. They're really well coached in that regard. And they exposed the chargers like for most of the game. Um, So like, Special teams probably won't get a lot of attention this game just because, you know, it didn't cost them the game. They made all their field goals, and that's probably uh, most of what the average fan cares about, you know, which I understand. Um, but, you know, like the coverage of blocking, like, is just not the coverage of blocking in a team that, you know, has potential playoff Super Bowl aspirations. Like, that. that's to me mm-hmm. uh, the, the real problem here. And I don't know. I think it is both a personnel issue and a coaching issue. But I'm just not sure how you fix it at this point, other than simply trying other guys. Um, but it seems like they are sort of trying other guys from time to time and getting guys back from injury and, and trying to run that whole thing. It looks the same as last year in that regard. Yeah, I'll definitely have to watch the all 22 on this. First of all, Andre Roberts, I made a kind of joke bolt prediction that they would get past the 25. And I'm pretty sure it took to the last return of the game yeah. for him to do that. <laughs> yeah. Granted, he only had like three returns, but I'm sitting there going, geez, I was joking, but they're seriously not going to do it, are they? <laughs> uh, but they did do it. So thankfully, he did have a long of either 27 or 29 or whatever it was. So yay. There's something about Hopkins kicks where it actually just looks better. Like it was just it more was in the middle. For whatever reason, it looked like an NFL kicker kicking a football. <laughs> And I had like forgotten what that looked like. I Such like, oh, a low bar. <laughs> <laughs> he looked, Literally. He like a kicker who has a little bit more experience than knows Nick Novak. That's, that's, that's really where Dustin Hopkins succeeded in this game and really excelled. Yes. No, absolutely. Oh. The unfortunate part about special teams is they didn't get better. They just, they did, but they just signed guys. Like they just brought those guys in and they yeah. did their jobs. Nobody was really coached to be better. Gardner Olszewski getting, you know, four returns for 80 yards on punts with only a long That's of 27. So he's basically like somewhere between like 16 and 20 yards per return. That's awful. And there's just a confidence. I think I forget who said this, but there's just a confidence that you see these opposing returners have where it's like, catch it, go. Because, you know, they're blockers. They have their, they're doing their jobs and they know that the special teams uh, coverage unit sucks for whatever reason. And I, I feel like I've seen this multiple times. Haven't charted it or whatever drew tranquils is not doing anything on special teams i've seen him run by or around mm-hmm. or past the the returner plenty of times and as someone who was very very good at special teams his rookie year and almost a like a pro bowler or someone you were voting to the pro bowl because of that has not looked good so far now he's playing more defense maybe that takes you know you got to do a lot on defense then go play punt coverage sure. that's tough but like he's not doing anything I stumbled upon Chris Rumpf being an awful kick return uh, blocker. I didn't realize that was going to be something I'd find, but he's getting blown up. And I don't know how he did against the Patriots, but him getting blown up or or letting a guy pass him in five out of eight returns the last two games, that's pretty horrendous. And I get that yeah. he's an edge rusher, but like that was your decision then? Like if he's playing, if he's if you admit that he's playing out of position, he's not used to it. He's an edge rusher. Why is he doing this? Then why was the team doing that? Like what was that really your best option? He's a big dude, big strong dude, for sure. But he doesn't look comfortable. Guys are getting right past him, no problem. Because that's not his thing. He gets past guys. He doesn't block guys. So that wasn't looking good. I'm curious to see how that looked in this game. So yeah, nothing looks any bit better. 
except for the stuff they just bought. They basically just bought improvement. <laughs> they didn't coach it. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was so funny, right? Like I, I saw so many um, Matthew Slater jerseys from Patriots fans. And <laughs> yeah. like, I feel like that would be the same thing for us. Like if the, the Chargers could get Andre Roberts for like four or five years and be a really good kick returner, <laughs> I feel like we would all go and buy his jerseys because we've just been scarred by special teams play. Um, but it, it was bad. And Brandon Staley said after the game that they just, that he called it a, a vice grip or vice block or something like that, that uh -huh. the Patriots were doing to the gunners, which essentially was taking Ryan Smith and either Kimon Hall or whatever, essentially out of the play. And hmm. like, great, you identified the problem, Brandon Staley, fix it, <laughs> go to change up your formation or something to get those guys into one-on-one -on -one situations because, you know, when you don't have your gunners even close to the play, like I think Matt Overton had two tackles yesterday on special teams on punt. So uh, when your 34-year-old long snapper who was retired last year is your leading special teams tackler, you probably have a problem. Um, hey, so that's it, not exactly fair to Kimon Hall. He did get there. He just committed the dumbest penalty I've ever seen <laughs> in the process. Yeah, it was it was not a, a pretty day for the punt team um so that's uh that's no fun um all right so we're gonna do uh studs and duds but before we get there i kind of want to have just like a general conversation about the afc uh which is a wonderful hot mess it's giving me major pac 12 vibes which is is just amazing i love it so um i, I want to talk about kind of where the chargers fit in at this point because you know three weeks ago when the chargers beat the browns we all sat on this show and and you know perhaps i was the most guilty of buying into the hype as anyone uh, hard to blame me when you're at that game, which was just amazing, um, of talking about the Chargers as a Super Bowl contender. They are now 4-3, and three, currently sitting in the seventh spot, if I'm not mistaken. Um, the Chiefs are playing right now. If they win, the Chiefs will be 4-4 four and four and very much in the mix in the AFC. So, Alex, where do you see the Chargers fitting in, in at this point? Um, you know, and should we be concerned about this team, you know, kind of not reaching its potential this season? Uh, I think there's reason for concern, but also I do still think they're in it on the basis that the AFC, like, is this mess, right? Like, you have the Raiders who are leading the AFC West right now, but, like, I don't know, do we buy them, like, as a team? Like, I mean, I think they're certainly good offensively, but they're kind of inconsistent from week to week. Had that slip up against the Bears, uh, you know, so, like, I, I don't know if I totally buy them. Uh, as a contender and then the chiefs have the problems that they do on defense so to me the afc west like i can still sort of expect the chargers to win that division but also that's kind of on the basis that the afc west is a massive like mess right now the broncos are selling players and everyone else is sort of like in this process of trying to figure out who exactly they are um or trying to adjust uh some of the weaknesses on their team uh, as far as where they fit in in like the Grand Pantheon, I sort of view them mm, maybe like a little bit adjacent to, I mean, basically like a wild card team at this point. Like, I think you can compare them to some of the other teams that are uh, playing for wild card spots, like we talked about with the Chiefs. Uh, like we talked about, I mean, you know, <laughs> the Colts have the you know human interception machine that is Carson Wentz. <laughs> which is hilarious. Um, but uh, I mean, like the Colts are probably in that tier of teams, um, you know, so I, I think the Chargers are a little bit above those teams, but I don't think they're in that division leader contender, like outright category. Like maybe we put the Ravens in there 
maybe with the Bills in there. Um, the Bengals just lost to the Jets, which is just <laughs> like, you know, hard to believe still. Well, you know, Mike White, uh, thanks for the sixth round pick, uh, though, Jets for Joe Flacco. Um, but yeah, no, I, I don't know. The AFC is a huge mess at this point, And it's like just talking through it. Like, I don't know who's legit and who isn't. I think the Bills are legit. I think the Ravens are legit. Outside of that, it can fluctuate from three to seven seed pretty much every week. It, God, first of all, screw you, Bengals, for losing to the Jets. <laughs> like, how, how did you mess that one up? No Zach Wilson. I'm like, they have no Zach Wilson. No problem. I got to go first. I sat there rubbing my fat belly like, ah, oh, Bengals over Jets, no problem. And screw you, Lions, for me picking you the second. Anyway, talking about AFC. <laughs> Ah, uh, so annoying. I wanted that jersey. Um, I think the team we got to start talking about is the Steelers. And apparently, I didn't watch it, but apparently, I think Brendan Thorne was saying this. Their offensive line was putting the Cleveland Browns in the dirt. Like their offensive line is starting to gel. Apparently, they're getting pretty good. And they have Najee Harris. So the line's getting really good. And you have Najee Harris. And the Chargers play them in what, like two, three weeks or whatever it is. So that's lovely. I can't wait to be there at that game. Uh, I have no idea what to make of the Bengals now. The Browns are just unhealthy, but I think they're an excellent team when they are healthy that knows exactly what they want to do. So I think as soon as everyone's healthy, if that happens, they're a great team. I think they're still the best team in their division if they're healthy. Uh, The Ravens just kicked the Chargers' ass. The Bills would probably beat them. The Patriots just beat them. I have no idea what the Jets are. The Dolphins are objectively terrible. Um, The good news is, is the AFC West, I totally think the Chargers can still win it. The Raiders, yes, they did win two in a row. They beat the Eagles. And they beat the Broncos, who just traded Von Miller. Um, and the week before that, they lost to the Matt Nagy-led Bears. So I'm not exactly buying the Raiders as a legit division leader or winner. The Chiefs, we'll see. I think the Giants are either going to score or have scored and have tied things up. And if you lose to the Giants, like, come on, man. So, you know, the Chiefs are whatever. Um, I think the Raiders, still, they still have to play the Chiefs twice. Chargers again. I think the Chargers still take the division, which is a saving grace. Like they can win their division. I'm not saying this is an NFC East situation, but like the division's not that great. The Broncos are clearly trying to sell now. The Raiders, are, I don't buy them, and the Chargers have beaten them. And the Chiefs, I have no idea. So the good news, also, the other good news is that unfortunately for fantasy owners, Derek Henry went down. And yeah. so that Titans matchup, I believe they had a Titans matchup, and that's no longer as big of an issue. We don't have Henry. I'm currently frozen. Or I'm talking, but you guys are frozen. I don't know if you oh, guys can hear me. I can hear you just fine, yeah. Oh, okay, cool. Because everyone else is frozen, so thank you for your expressions. Um, <laughs> well, I think, yeah, they, they, I think they can win the division. Mm, then we'll see. But it looks like Staley has wanted to play the long game this whole time. Like, when they don't play your guys in the preseason, you know, and you, you think you can kind of just keep your guys healthy and develop during the season, I think that's the route they're going to go. So I think by the end of the year, they can get better. But Super Bowl contenders, no way. There's my dog. I'm, I'm out. <laughs> is the Chiefs Giants game still a gimme, Stephen? Is it still a gimme? Uh, what do you mean? Did I say that? <laughs> yeah, I mean pretty loudly. We're, we're doing our picks. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. That's I think the Giants to cover. I think the Giants to cover the the or take the points uh, in my work pick them. So didn't know what you were saying there, but yeah. Um, <laughs> it looks like we lost Tyler for a second. Um, Mahomes has double digit picks. Did he throw another one? Did Mahomes throw another pick? Oh, no, I think he meant double digit picks in terms of the overall season. I did, I, I haven't been watching the game, so I don't know. No, no, no. I thought he was at 
I thought that he was at eight today. Mm, might be ten. Yeah, I, I guess he might have. Um, yeah, the AFC is is just it, it's insanity, right? Because the Steelers are very much in the mix now. The Patriots are in the mix because they're four and four after beating the Chargers. So, I think the only two things that we know for certain at this point are that the Bills and the Ravens are are you know the top two teams in my opinion. Um, I I've, I still think the Titans will will make the playoffs um, because you know they're just they have such a big lead on the Colts at this point that even without Derrick Henry, they will be able to figure it out. Um, so I, I think the, the Titans will make it. I think the Ravens will make it. And I think, you know, the, the bills are for sure to make it as the one seed. Um, so to me, the chargers are right in that second tier and it's a very crowded second tier at this point. So I don't know if, as, if I'm as confident as, uh, as you guys that they'll win the division, but I think they definitely can do that. I think they have the talent to do that. Like I said earlier, like the chargers, better players just have to play better. And I think right. they'll be able to get to that point. Yeah, I, I don't know if I would say I'm super confident they win the division, but at this point, like, I think they're at least equal to the Raiders and Chiefs. And anytime you're yeah. sort of in that discussion, then, like, you have a chance to win the division. If the Chargers were in a division with the Ravens or they were in a division with the Bills, uh, I would not feel nearly as confident uh, as I do just because those teams have, you know, pretty much shut down the Chargers. Like, the Bills would plow the Chargers by 14 or 20 tomorrow. Like it, it would be really bad with how disciplined that team is um, and as well as their offense. So, um, but yeah, other than that, uh, yeah, I, I think they're pretty much either going to win the division and probably be like a three or four seed in the AFC, or, you know, if they lose the division, then they'll have to be one of those teams that scraps for a wild card. Um, so yeah. I'll be interested to see how it all plays out. Um, but, you know, I think the positive, if you're still coming out with one is that they are four and three you know yeah. i mean that that is a thing and so you know they have a chance to still make the playoffs like that that is absolutely still on the table as disenfranchised as maybe fans feel uh after the last couple of you know weeks like you know you do still have the eagles coming up you have a lot of you know winnable games the giants down the road so you know if you can get to nine or ten wins still anything can happen but hopefully, you know, hopefully we get more than that. I'm just saying, like, you know, yeah. everything still is on the table for this team, especially because their division isn't particularly good right now. So I think that the Chargers, if they get their stuff together, you know, definitely still can be a playoff team. Yeah, absolutely. And I think Joey Bosa said that as well today. You know, they are they still have everything that they want in front of them. It's just, I think, honestly, like, if this game had happened to, like, the Vikings, I, I probably wouldn't have cared as much. But it's just the fact that, like, you knew that this was kind of going to be the game script for this team against the Patriots. Uh, and they just they weren't able to, you know, come out swinging and, and added frustration is that it was after the bye. So, um, you know, I, I still am positive about this team. I still think they'll make the playoffs right. It just is is a very frustrating day. So it looks like we got Tyler joining this, joining us again. Maybe. <laughs> uh, so there he is. There he is. <laughs> Are you back? Are you good? Yes. Okay. okay. Sounds good. <laughs> All right. So let's uh we'll finish this one up with uh studs and duds as always. Before we get to that point, Alex, uh, why don't you tell our listeners about our great deal with ExpressVPN? So 
you can go to expressvpn.com slash guilty. Why do you want to do that? Well, you want to watch, you know, Netflix from other countries. You want to watch Hulu from other countries. And most importantly, you want to watch NFL football from other countries because all 22 only exists in like the international version for some reason. And after Tyler let me freeload off of his game pass last year, <laughs> I am they are now freeloading off of me. So, you know, you know, you, you scratch your back and rub an eye or whatever. But anyway, uh, so yeah, the fine folks of ExpressVPN uh, have allowed us to start a VPN. So now we can watch all 22 and do our film breakdowns. And if you go on Patreon, you can go get all 22 footage of all the Chargers games. But most importantly this week, you can watch the all 22 of the Philadelphia Eagles defeating the Detroit Lions 44 to zero in a game that means nothing. So you can watch <laughs> it meant something to angles. me. <laughs> <laughs> you can watch up the angles of Darius Slay's fumble recovery against Detroit, which probably felt great for him. Or you can watch all the angles of God, how boring that game was. Uh, but <laughs> you can go watch all all twenty two for every NFL game, and you can all watch the uh, live games as they go on in America. You can't do that with Game Pass, so. That is one of the advantages. So again, you can go to expressvpn.com slash guilty to start your three-month free trial of ExpressVPN today. Yeah, that uh, that last bit to me is like the key thing because I, I have uh, had to stream games before. Uh, it is mm-hmm. a pain in my ass. So um, definitely go check that out. So uh, let's get to these studs and duds. I'm going to start this one off if you guys are good with that. Uh, and my stud of the day is Mr. Derwin James. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think... There was a lot uh, made from Bannon Staley about the increased run defense. And you know what happened yesterday? Derwin James logged a career, or not a career high, a season high in snaps in the box. To me, that is not a coincidence. Mm-hmm. Derwin yep. James was a monster against the run. He had a couple great plays in coverage against Hunter Henry, his former teammate. That was one of my key matchups. So mm-hmm. I think Derwin James played fantastic. I think he's been awesome this entire season. And, you know, Tyler talked about uh, needing people to step up around Joey Bosa. Derwin James needs the same thing. I think Derwin James has been playing fantastic. And, you know, seeing him knife through that uh, offensive line to get a run stop tackle for loss Mm -hmm. on that third down, which set up, which uh, held the Patriots to a field goal. Those are the plays that you need consistently from your star players, and Derwin James is making them. So for me, the stud of the day was pretty clearly Derwin James, and I think he was awesome yesterday. Alex, go ahead. Oh, you want me to go? Okay, I didn't know if it was me or Tyler first. Uh, my stud of the day is Justin Jones. Very predictable, but uh, yes. he came back after all those weeks, uh, had uh, three tackles uh, hit, two hurries uh ended up uh, sorry three pressures in general i should say not two uh, three tackles but uh just overall looked a lot better uh than you know maybe we had been used to seeing him as a pass rusher uh and obviously had a few key run stops that kept the chargers alive in that game as rough as they were uh against the run as a team him and derwin james yeah. uh were probably the two best against the run all day so i gotta go with justin jones for mine uh i think that he played like the best defensive tackle that the team has seen in probably seven weeks uh you know Linval Joseph also played pretty well in this game but I think Justin Jones just brought that edge and he proved why he's you know pretty important to this Chargers defense 
and so he kind of go on a run to end the season. I was really happy he was able to play 49 snaps despite, you know, the injury yeah. troubles he's had these last couple of weeks. Uh, so, yeah, I think Justin Jones is definitely my stud. Uh, and I think that he played really well this game. And I hope he has a great end of the season going forward. Yeah, really quickly before Tyler jumps in, I think that rotation on the defensive line was much healthier. You know, Jerry Tillery mm-hmm. still logged 80% of the snaps, but it's better than 90. You know, he was at 90% previously. <laughs> right. So, you know, mm-hmm. they're, they're getting more from Justin Jones. And I think Limon Joseph played a little bit more fresher. Um, you know, I think Christian Covington, you know, playing that many snaps is, is better. Like, you know, uh, Tyler said earlier, he hasn't been great, but, you know, he's a 30 snap guy and he played like it. So um, big props to Justin Jones in this one. All right, Tyler, wrap up our studs. Uh, who's your stud of the day? All right. I... First of all, I ordered two O-line mastermind shirts. Uh, apparently, I've become an O-line guy. Let's go. Nowhere close to one. So I'm going to go with Matt Filer here. Um, no coincidence in some of the bigger runs of the day, including the 28-yard Austin Eckler run and the big Justin Jackson run. It came off the left side, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, Matt Filer has given up zero pressures the last two weeks and only two of the last three weeks playing the Browns, the Ravens, and the Patriots. That's really, really impressive. Yeah. Um, the fact that we, hey, play right tackle, I'm comfortable with that. Play left guard, that's awesome too. You know, the fact that he can play either position and I'm pretty comfortable either is really good. The average 8.2 yards per carry yesterday. Yes, even without that seven or 75-yard run by Jackson, they still average, I think, 4.7 yards per carry. So a really, really solid day overall, and he was a big part of that. So zero pressures allowed, big day in the run game. Someone's doing it. It's the offensive lineman. It's Matt Filer. So excellent day from him. He's my stud of the day. Yeah, him and Corey Lindsay and Rashawn Slater have all been played at a really high level. Um, and I'm I'm glad that you highlighted them out. And I'm glad that you made those purchases, man. I really appreciate that. <laughs> they um, have a medium option. I didn't take it. But they have a, <laughs> I was actually surprised they had a medium option. Well, they, um, they've they had some uh, good luck selling to some women. So I think that's probably why they did that one. <laughs> why not just um, make a women's line? Like, I, don't okay. I don't know. It's an <laughs> offensive line thing. They're, they're, they're making progress. Um, I need like a Millarge. A large. <laughs> oh man, that's too funny. Um, yes, as uh, your mom nine one one points out, <laughs> my dud of the day is Chris Harris. I tried to tell y'all about how bad this man was playing, and he got cooked by Nikhil fucking Harry. Nikhil Harry is one of the <laughs> biggest busts in the entire NFL in recent memory, and he was uh. getting cooked by that man. And he ended up giving up four catches for 82 yards. He got cooked by Nelson Aguilar deep. So this, I'm I'm fully out on Chris Harris. Like I wanted hit like a reduced role previously. It sucked that Asante Samuel Jr. and Michael Davis got hurt in this game because that mm-hmm. forced Chris Harris to play even more snaps. And on the outside, Chris Harris has been so disappointing. And to be honest. To me, he was a worse signing than Brian Bulaga. Like I'm at that point with Chris Harris where I do I don't want to see it. Like I I just if you can't guard Nikhil Harry and Nelson Aguilar, why are you on the field 90% of the snaps? I don't get it. Dud of the day. Yeah, that, that's that's definitely a tough one. I haven't watched him, but yeah, that was definitely not pretty. And you, you can see, I don't know much about defense, but you can see on so many plays. Someone gets open and he's like, uh, 
or someone's like <laughs> yes well, that happened like, in the in the end zone like some one of them yes. scored a touchdown and chris harris was like where's my help it's like bro you're one-on-one this is your job is to cover this receiver oh man it was so frustrating yeah i can't pretend to know what happened but i see you can tell there's some sort of miscommunication whether that's with him because of him i don't know um, but yeah definitely not good there the numbers aren't good again i don't know what the film looks like the numbers aren't good my dud is going to go to mike williams what happened to him um if not for the two broken coverages by the browns we're talking about a 52 yard game and granted you know again that's a qualifier but the browns basically were like oh look over there and then mike williams at 123 yards on two plays and two touchdowns so but okay then you play the ravens and he's hurt and they you know obviously cover him whatever this game he had 19 yards and that's unacceptable for the person that he's supposed to be. And I know Arjun pointed out earlier that he was covered by J.C. Jackson. But as I said in our preview, J.C. Jackson gave up 400 yards heading into the game. Yeah. So it's not like he was you know, shutting everybody down and only 100 yards allowed all year. No, he allowed 400 yards in the six games he played before, seven games, whatever it is. And for Mike Williams, who, again, I, I talked about him not being very good against the Patriots as is the last three games, his 19 yards this game was the worst output he's had of his career against the Patriots, including his rookie season where he was looked like a bust. So again, some of that's, you know, coverage, some of that's, um, you know, Herbert missing him. I personally would have credited him for a drop. Pro football focus did not credit him for a drop. I would yeah, have, I would have caught it. He had it there. Well, yeah. yeah. And then someone like someone jarred it loose. Sure. But it wasn't like Keenan Allen where he got like that one where he got slammed into, and the ball was obviously jarred loose in a more physical way. So, you know, he's he leads the team in drop percentage currently or drop rate. Uh, he had 19 yards and they needed him and he didn't show up. And by all accounts, he was healthy. He didn't show up. And so he's my dad. Yeah, I think Mike Williams is a fair choice. Um, you know, even though he led the team in receiving, um, I think Keenan Allen's kind of a dud in this game. Uh, I mean, obviously, we talked about the drop problem. Uh, we talked about sort of lack of communication um but honestly my dud goes to like all the receivers um <laughs> i think that i'm going to give it to all of them this week uh just because they were hard jared to watch. cook included there jared cook included because jared cook didn't know where he was um and i think like jalen guyton it, it just felt like everybody was confused about where to be um and i think that's the most disappointing thing coming off of a bye week i mentioned you know that jalen guyton and donald barham like just don't know where to be half the time. Uh, and part of that is coaching. Part of that is just on them at this point. Uh, Mike Williams, total non-factor. Keenan Allen, I mean, kind of a factor early on, but really pretty much tapered off to the game. Also had some drops. Um, Austin Eckler, bad drop that led to an, uh, to an Adrian Phillips revenge game interception. Like that's really bad. Uh, especially considering the margin of error the Chargers were playing with on offense. Like you just can't, have that uh at that point in the game uh i mean uh, you know i'll exclude josh palmer just because they refused not to use him uh and also he got the touchdown at the end but everyone else was pretty rough uh in this one including pretty much every tight end uh, i thought was rough when it came to blocking uh and scheming as a whole so yeah i mean you know uh, adub as it says in the chat you could throw storm norton here we already talked about him but, you know, to me, Storm Absolutely. Norton is what he is at this point. I don't think he's going to get better. 
I don't think he's going to get worse. He just is what he is. Uh, and so to me, the receivers are the guys that really need to step up every week. And we're talking about double digit drop percentages uh, seven weeks into the season, you know, so that that's really, I think the issue uh, coming into it, like they're just not in sync right now, either with Herbert, the game plan uh, and, and what to do. So to me, I, I think the dot of the day is all the receivers probably except Josh Palmer. Yeah, I think, you know, Josh Palmer had eight snaps and I think four of them were on that last drive. So like I, I, I'm at a loss for words with like the rotation of this. And like that to me is inexcusable. Like, why would you not want your third round pick rookie to get these snaps? Like, it just doesn't make any sense to me. And that doesn't just have to come from, you know, Jalen Guyton. Like they can give Keenan Allen some of his or they can give some of his snaps from Keenan Allen. Like. I, I need to see more of Josh Palmer. Like he was getting so much work in the preseason and he looked great. Like we need to see that come to fruition. Um, and so I think we need to see more Palmer going forward. And I think he had you know, that touchdown catch was ridiculous. And it was a laser by Herbert and a great catch by Palmer. So um, yeah, I absolutely agree with that. And I, I'm about ready to see more of Donald Parham and less of Jared Cook. Jared Cook is approaching Chris Harris territory for me on my shit list. Um, and just like, I don't understand what he's doing out there so much. So, um, looks like we lost Tyler again. So Alex and I will finish this one up. Alex, final thoughts of the day here as we uh, head out. Um, you know, if I want to play Optimus, you do play the Eagles this week and the Eagles are bad. I watch them every week. (laughs) So (laughs) maybe you can get a win there and start a little bit of a winning streak. Um, but in all seriousness, no, I mean, that was a bad game yesterday. Uh, I don't know like how you really kind of recover from that other than just being better at the things that you keep telling us you're going to be better at, um, you know, and it's week in week out with this team and coaching staff. So I think more than everything, uh, you know, the coaching staff and players just need to get on the same page because right now it, they just look like a disorganized team. Um, and when I say something like the offense is just broken beyond repair or, you know, at, at, like to me, that means that one player is not fixing this, right? Like Keenan yeah, Allen yeah. having a better game and not having drops. Yeah, that would help. Trading for Deshaun Jackson, maybe that would help. But like at, at this point, there, there's not one player that is going to fix it. Like it, it just has to be everyone, including the offensive line blocking better, particularly on that right side, figuring out what the solution to that problem is. Justin Herbert being better, Joe Lombardi not being a wimp uh, for the final three quarters of the game after he scripts his plays, making adjustments. Uh, and to me, it's, um, yeah, no, that that's that's really it. Like, like the timing, everything needs to be better in terms of the actual execution because it all sounds good in theory. And they have the players to be able to do it. Like Mike Williams, right. Keenan Allen, Justin Herbert, and Austin Eckler, and all these guys are good enough. Um, but you know, when we're talking about the, the lack of execution and the lack of focus from this team, like, you know, if you take your eye off the ball for one second, like, you know, you're going to drop it. Or if you're not in sync here, you know, uh, the play is going to go bad. So to me, that's really the issue with this team. They just look out of sync, out of focus on offense. Defense did better this game. So I think that's a positive to take away, but now they're dealing with the Michael Davis and Asante Samuel injury which is not good going forward. So I think the depth is going to be tested with this team going forward. And I think the offense is 
going to need to shoulder the load uh, even more uh, than they maybe plan to. Uh, but so, yeah, no, I mean, when we're talking about 15 points average the last two weeks, it's not going to get it done. They just need to be better. And like we've talked about, they have no right to be this bad <laughs> offensively. Like it, no, it just should no. be better. The coaching staff needs to improve. The players need to improve and everybody needs to get on the same page because if you used to Philadelphia, you know, you're four and four and the season's really starting to slip away from you. So um, they have a week to get it together. We'll see if they do it this time. Yeah. As uh, your mom, 911, I love that name uh, points out when Brandon Staley said, you can't have a bum ass offense. Like that is, that is so true. And that's what it's been the last two weeks. Um, I think, you know, we'll obviously dive into the Eagles matchup later on, but I think, they will win this game, but I think they need to be a little careful offensively because the Eagles do not blitz. Like they are lower than Gus Bradley levels in blitzing right now. And I think like if you do what you've been doing, it's probably going to work against the Eagles. So I, I think you need to be careful a little bit in this game, not to just be like, Oh, well, you just got to clean up some things. I think you go into Philadelphia and make some legitimate changes in terms of the scheme, in terms of the personnel and really just take it to the Eagles defense because <laughs> they're going to let you, they're going to sit back and cover too and just let you pick them apart. So you have to be able to do that. Um, but obviously we'll dive into that more often, uh, you know, down the road. So um, been a good day uh, outside of the Chargers, but it was a lot of uh, expressing our frustrations today. Um, I'm sure most of you guys listening feel the same way. And really the, the Chargers need to come back and, you know, flush this, uh, flush this emotion and, and you know be able to bounce back against the Eagles. So he's in the Jalen Hurts quote. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, but this is a great opportunity for them to show you know what they're about. Uh, you know, teams lose back to back games all the time. You know, the, the Titans lost to the Jets and somebody else in back to back weeks, and you know they have looked great. So the NFL is about how you bounce back from losses. So this team is in a good position to do that. They still have the great talent. But it's put up or shut up time. So that's going to do it for us today, guys. Unfortunately, uh, Tyler had some internet con- uh, issues. So uh, hopefully he's able to solve that. But thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, we've got a really fun interview, Alex and I do tomorrow. Uh, another one that uh, uh, is going to be a great opportunity for us. Alex interviewed Peter Schrager from the NFL Network. If you missed that, please go check that out. It is up on our YouTube page. Uh, and on any podcast platforms. As always, like and subscribe to the channel and leave us a rating or review, and we will see you guys later.